but you shouldn't start a company with your best friends because that can lead to a lot of problems, even though it can be fine. I mean, a group of five people and it's your best friends. In those situations, when it's get tough, it can really tear, tear on your relationship. And that's, I think, is one important insight because I think many people, when they start a business, they always ask their best friends or they talk to their best friends, which I think is a good idea to do and have someone to talk to about it, but maybe not have all of these friends in the same group. Welcome to The Unconventional Path, Secrets to Igniting Your Business with Bela and Mike. I'm Bela Musitz, the David D. Ray Professor of Innovation and Entrepreneurship at Clarkson University in upstate New York. And I'm Mike Wasserman, Professor of International Management at the University of Applied Sciences in Münster, Germany. This podcast is about conversations with successful entrepreneurs you've never heard of who have built successful businesses you have never heard of. Businesses and entrepreneurs that we can all identify with. In each episode, I think we try to capture and share the essence of how interesting people often take unconventional paths to build their businesses. So we decided to interview a wide range of business people that have found and taken unconventional paths in their careers. And what we hope to do is capture some lessons, advice, inspiration that'll help you attain your entrepreneurial goals. So join us for interesting conversations and discussions with what we think are really inspiring guests on how you can ignite your business by exploring some of the many less traveled unconventional paths that lie ahead. So if you like the podcast, please tell your friends and give us a review on your favorite podcasting application. If you have suggestions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email at bela.and.mike at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome, folks. I'm Bela Musitz. Today's guest is Gustav Johansson. Gustav is a student in my class. And one day after class, he and I were chit-chatting about entrepreneurship. And uh, he's from Sweden. So he's uh, at Clarkson for a year. And so we were having this conversation about entrepreneurship in Sweden. And he was sharing how it's sort of different uh, in Sweden than here in the United States. And so while we're doing that conversation in class or after class, I said to myself, this would make a good podcast. So I invited him to be a guest on our podcast. So, uh, Mike, what, what were your thoughts when you uh, first uh, listened to my conversation with Gustav? Well, the first, I think, glaring difference to me is how entrepreneurship is treated in the high schools between Sweden and the U.S., um, and I can contrast that also a little bit from my experiences here in Germany. So I think those differences are interesting. And to me, thinking about what's been in the news lately in terms of, oh, the, all these jobs are at risk because of artificial intelligence and robotics and all this change to the sharing economy, that teaching young people early about entrepreneurship is really might be an interesting tool to give flexibility and creativity and all these skills that machines can't imitate, right? And it might be a neat way to lay a foundation for the future workforce. I agree. And I think one of the things we're going to try to accomplish in this podcast going forward uh, is to have a larger variety of guests from all around the world so that we can share the various different uh, ways in which uh, cultures and people and countries and individuals 
and institutions think about entrepreneurship and uh, all of the associated things that go along with that. So let's uh, dive right in to our interview with Gustav. But first, I'd like to thank the David D. Ray School of Business at Clarkson University for supporting this podcast. And I'd like to thank my employer, the Münster School of Business at the Münster University of Applied Sciences here in Germany. All right. So let's listen to Gustav. Hello, folks. Uh, today, I'm here with uh, Gustav Johansson uh, from Sweden. He's actually one of the students in my class that I teach here at Clarkson University. And he has an interesting story where uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the culture in Sweden and the entrepreneurial opportunities that, that he has had and how they're actually part of the educational process. So uh, welcome, Gustav. Thank you so much. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from? Yeah, so I'm uh, 21 years old or turning 21 in November. I'm from the west coast of Sweden, from a small town called Allingsås. And yeah, uh, I have a dad and a little brother. And I went to, in high school, as you said, we have this program where we have to take business or entrepreneurial course uh, it, within the program in high school, last year of high school. Uh, so that's like kind of my background. I went to that and now I'm here on exchange, still doing business and something I really like to do and experience more of. So, yeah. Oh, wonderful. So in high school, you're actually taking entrepreneurship courses. Yeah. So uh, in high school, we have these where we have to show a program we want to study. So, for example, economics or engineering or entrepreneurship. And I actually did the economics program. And in the economic and engineering and also the entrepreneurship, we have this course, which is actually called entrepreneurship and business, where we have to start up our own business uh, and executed for or operated for one year and then we close it down and we have this uh, Swedish championship where they actually rank which ones are the best and then the best one has to go to the European competition and actually compete for Sweden so that's what we did we didn't go to the European championship we just competed in the Swedish one yeah so what we did the product we had was that we did corkscrews so we were five people so four of my classmates and myself, and I was the CFO of the company. And uh, so, yeah, so what we did, as I said, was a corkscrew. Our main idea with it was to reach out to the more adult population and have it more as an accessoire on the table uh, because of the stylish like trend we saw in the market. It actually didn't win, turn out that well in the end. But it was just the experience of the program to actually get the first hand-on experience of actually owning your own business, doing all the steps we learned about, and also that I'm learning about now. And just the takeaways from that experience that I think will help everyone that did the program in the future, not only in business, but actually like taking care of stuff, thinking in a more innovative way and in a more critical way. And sometimes, and also in the decision-making process. So I really uh, like the course. I really think it's an important course because uh, it gives the opportunity for people to have this experience. So that's that's great. So let me just unpack that. There's yeah. a lot of things yeah. there you yeah. talked about, and and I think many of them are important. Yeah. So just so I understand, so all people, all students in high school, school not, take an entrepreneurship or. 
No. Is it you, you sort of select. Yeah. So when you chose your program for high school, which you're going to do for four years, we have these specific where you do engineering, economics, or entrepreneurship and business. That's are the three programs that actually do it. So those people that want to do political science or something like that, they don't have that course, but we do. Uh, yeah. Okay. So the, the, these programs do it. Yeah, understand. So those three programs, yeah. then you're automatically going to do this it. entrepreneurship yeah. course. So in your family, mm. uh, is there any history of entrepreneurship, yes. small business ownership? Yeah. So my mom was a hairdresser. So he ha- she had her own business. My dad isn't, but he works in the corporate field. Uh, also, my aunt, my mom's sister, owns her own business, which is a staffing agency, I think it's called in English, where they hire people and then not lending them out, but you know. Yeah, I know a staffing yeah, agency. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so they have so a staffing agency they, they within, within the travel uh, sector. Okay, so they provide yeah. temporary Yeah, employees. so I have a few connections in my family yeah. that has been entrepreneurs. So at the dinner table, sometimes you heard about yeah. the, the challenges of owning your own yeah. business. Yeah, uh, mostly from my aunt. Yes. And then my dad also told stories. Yeah. But mostly from so is that is that part of what influenced your yeah. choice to, to definitely this? Yeah, definitely my, my dad and uh, just seeing people around me doing business and having their own firm. Has I think has influenced me in the way that I choose economics from the beginning because I didn't know which program I wanted to do when I came to high school at first. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to take the broadest ones, the ones I know. Like my dad took the same one. Uh, so that's how I got into the path. But then, of course, they influenced me in the way that I actually selected those courses. In this course... It sounds like you actually have to start a real business yeah. and design and make mm-hmm. a real product. Yeah. You don't, uh, in the sense that you don't have to innovate in you or you actually have to come up with a new product. You can just buy something and then sell it on, so to say. But the process is that we get, we form a team of five or six or four people. It depends, class to class. But And then you get the roles outsorted and you start to get to the thinking of should we do a service, should we do a product, and so on. And then you have to follow all the steps. So you need you have to contact suppliers. You have to do the surveys for the customers. You have to do all those things. And we have this organization that's leading it, which is a nonprofit organization, which actually helps us with this, supply us with the lectures about it, prepare us for it, prepare our teachers for it because they are responsible for us. And the sponsors like banks helping us setting up a company account for free, help us with guidance of those kind of things, even though it's a really small business. And maybe we don't need our own, like not attorney, but financial department. They still can help out sorting out easy things. So it, it sounds like there's also a real strong infrastructure yeah. in place to help facilitate this yeah. to happen. Now, you mentioned uh, uh, an organization that helps you do yeah. this. So Is that a, uh, a run by the country of Sweden? Is it something in, uh, run by... I think, yeah, the the one we have is Swedish Entrepreneurship, um, and it's called Young Entrepreneurship um, for Sweden. They have, um, like, um, how do you say it, mother 
company or like a company above parent them. Company, yeah, parent yeah. company, yeah, which I think operates within Europe. But the one we have is the Swedish Youth uh, Entrepreneurship. Uh, and it's a non-profit organization. So I think they're government, governmentally owned, yes. so to say, yeah. So if you if you look at all of the students who attend high school mm, in yeah. Sweden, yeah. what percentage would do you say would go through this entrepreneurship program? I would say from the experience I have from my own high school, even though we're a really small high school with a thousand people, I mean the big programs are economy, engineering, also uh, nature science. They don't do it, and then political science and programs like that don't do it. But I would still say that. Maybe thirty, forty, like percent of wow. the people are doing it because they are the biggest programs. Yes. Besides one, which is not doing it, but all right, let's say thirty percent then at least are doing it. Wow, that's a really high percentage. Yeah. At, at the high school yeah. level, right? Yeah, exactly. Starting this, and then you said you you also do it in teams. Yeah. So how they divide them usually is either you have to decide by yourself or you have to put it on. On a piece of paper, and then the our lecturer or our teacher decides who we should be with. In our case, we had to put it on the paper and then put five names you want to work with, and then they usually give you one or two, and then you give some classmates that you don't know that well, uh, and then you have to figure out a new group dynamic. And I would say that was more one of the most hardest part to do, and especially doing it with your classmates, since. You can't act in a real professional way as you may should have done if you owned your real business now, because it's harder to communicate and be really critical against your team, like your teammates in this case, since they are classmates and you meet them every day. And I think that's one of the one of the key things I've learned yeah. that maybe you shouldn't start a company with your best friends. Because that can lead to a lot of problems, even though it can be fine. I mean, a group of five people and it's your best friends. In those situations, when it gets tough, it can really tear, tear on your relationship. And that's, I think, is one important insight. Because I think many people, when they start a business, they always ask their best friends or they talk to their best friends, which I think is a good idea to do and have someone to talk to about it. But maybe not have all of these friends in the same group. Yeah, it, uh, having friends inside of your business mm. uh, can add some great advantages. Yeah, exactly. But it can also add some additional constraints. Mm, exactly. That make it a little more challenging yeah. to, to run and grow the yeah. business, especially when things are not going as planned. Exactly. That was my main point. Yeah. yeah. So that was one of the learning values. Yeah, exactly. That you, yeah. You, you, yeah. you garnered from this. Yeah. What were some of the other learnings? values that you took from this experience for me personally i think the experience itself of having hands-on training and not only having read it from the book how to do it and actually practice it yourself and also learn the things as taking contact with suppliers and actually talk to your customers how they want the product and see what the market looks like and Overall, have that practice of how it is, all these aspects of how, how do I ask my customers or how do I contact my customers? What do I say to them? How do I promote my product? How do I talk to the suppliers? What aspects do I need to take into account? 
and stuff like that, how to run it in a day-to-day basis. Because when you sit in a classroom and you just learn about this is how you do it, I mean, the same problems will occur when you actually do it. And if you haven't had a hand-on training, then you don't know how to act. Because the book can tell you one thing, but the situation can slightly change. And then you don't know what to do. So I think the hand-on training to actually try and run your business and learn by error and try again, it's one of the most important ones. Yeah, that's that's really amazing though. So how old, what year in high school? So the last year of high school. This is the last year of high school. So, so you're, you're around 17, 17 18. 18 years yeah. old. But still, you're doing a real business. Yeah, we're doing a real business. We're doing the founding. We're putting in money ourselves. There are some restrictions where there is you can sign these Almost like we talk about the venture capital when you seek funding, yes. but you seek it from friends, family, you can seek it from external sponsors as well. But it's restricted to that me and my friends, for example, that were running the business and family and friends could only put in $25 around that, uh, converting to Swedish of currencies, of course, but around $25. And then, of course, sponsors could could add more. And that's one of the great things as well, that the... Swedish youth entrepreneurship, the company promoting this and having these courses for us. They have these sponsors and that company actually want uh, young persons in Sweden have the entrepreneurial experience. So that helped a lot. We had in our hometown, we we had three or four main sponsors that really helped us out. And they don't only help us out in financial aspects, but also in how do we contact learning is sharing these there's experience with us and what we can think of and improve on and pro- how to promote yes everything like that it's really good that not only the nonprofit organization wants us to succeed but also these companies wants to ex- like want us to succeed and have that experience yeah well that's remarkable that yeah. that experience happens yeah. in high school yeah right and and you're learning things that Many people in other countries don't learn it yeah. until they're af- out of college. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're learning that four yeah. years sooner. So that's that's fabulous. So mm. let's go on to after high school. School, yeah. Then you go to university. Yeah, I did. I went straight to university, um, to the Jan Shopping University. No trip around the world. No, not for me. I wish I had, but I could do it after I'm here, yes. so it's fine. But And then we had uh, a similar course, but I only had the course for uh, one semester. Then we had the same concept. You had to come up with the product, but it was only for a fair. So the fair was at our school. It was towards other students at the school. So then we change, then you have to change your setup. What, what kind of product or service do you want to have? And also, since, since you only have one month, you can't really uh, come up with, you know, oh, we're going to have this product in two months. Then it's not feasible. Or you can't have suppliers from other countries far away that take a lot of shipping time and stuff like that. So then we just did a simple thing. We did this wristbands, uh, just that named our school in different colors and just sold them for like two, three dollars, just as a fun, fun thing to do. And then we had to write in a report. Yes. Um, so what was your what was your study in in university? So my study back home and here is business administration. Okay. The program is international management, uh, and I'm doing my fifth semester now. I have one semester left when I come back home, and then I have my 
bachelor degree, hopefully, in business administration. Yes. So is this entrepreneurial experience at university, Mm. again, is that an elective course? Is it a required course? For for me, it was uh, required for the program I'm studying. And I know most of the uh, business programs at my home university, uh, I think all students had this course in their first semester, as I did. So I think it's really common, especially for our school. But then I don't know the other ones, okay. the other universities. And again, was this a team project? Yeah, again it was, yes. So we were okay. four people on the team, yeah. So the the entrepreneurial project in in university was mm. one month long, did yeah. you say? Yeah, and the roughly one in, two, one, one, two months, yes. Yeah. And, and the one at high school? School was one year. Was so one was, year, 12 months. It was months. for the last year, yeah. Okay. So the one in high school, was it fair to say, was was much more of a realistic experience? Yeah, yeah. much more hand-on training and realistic experience, yes. Yeah. And that you actually could make something out of it. Like, of, we had to close it down at the end. So we did from August till May, the year after. But if you wanted to continue your business afterwards, they helped you. This organization helped you with everything you need if you want to start it up again. We just make it as simple as the as it can be for you, but then you're more on your own, so to say, because then you don't have your teachers, you don't have your mentors, but hopefully you have these connections from your year, the year you had the course, so you can continue on pursuing. And some people do. Some people that was really successful in their high school year with these projects, they actually started their company today. And I think that is really cool that they can start companies. Since they're only 18 years old, they had one year experience. Yes. And they can have companies that have, in Swedish estimates, a million uh, Swedish crowns uh, estimations and valuations. So here it would be like two 200,000. I know the winners this year was valued at 3 million Swedish Crowns when they ended the, when they closed down wow. and they actually started up again. So those are those are so, real businesses. Yeah, and it's, I think it's really cool that those people and those businesses emerge from this program. Yes, I think it's really important that they do as well because it it lets young people that start the program see that it's possible to actually see something from this, and it's not just a course you get a grade in. Right. Right. So what's sort of, uh, in Sweden as a mm. country, what's sort of the general entrepreneurial culture like? Is it is entrepreneur, entrepreneurship and starting your own business, is that something that people look at highly and say, yes. that's really important? Yes, I would say so. So would, do, do, mo- do a fair number of students want to pursue that path? Yeah, I think so. And if, especially looking at my own experience from high school or from university where I'm now, of course, I can only talk from the business school side, but I know multiple people starting their own businesses. And it, it doesn't have to be a big one. It's just like they want to try it out and see what it's like. So I think it's a really big thing in Sweden. And I think it's a view, as you said, that something you would admire, something you look up to. And it's not just to have your own business, but create the lifestyle and the work that you want to go to every day. I think that's the most important like thing they push on in Sweden. Is the value placed on starting the business mm. or is the value placed also on working in a small business? 
I would say it is starting your own business because it really promotes like the freedom of, of course, it's a lot of work, but you decide yourself yes. and it's your own. It's no one else telling you what to do. You can do what you want with your own company. Yes. Wonderful. And you were telling me that, that now you're, you're also starting yet another business, yeah. not part of an academic program, no, no. but sort of on so, your own yeah, with your partner. Can uh, you tell us a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, so my partner, uh, all credits to him because it's his company, Real Technical, but he started this uh, clothing brand and I'm on the side helping out since he doesn't have any uh, business experience or done any business courses as I have. And I'm not saying that I'm the expert, but it's more that if he wants help, I gladly help out. And uh, we just talked the other day about it. And I told him I would be here and we would be mentioning this maybe. So he knows. And uh, I like I just help him uh, with thoughts and things. If he comes with anything like what kind of suppliers would I look at or I'm going I'm going to do this. Maybe I say that. Go and do this and try this instead yeah. and stuff like that. So it's a clothing Yeah, so it's a clo- clothing brand company. Uh-huh. Um, What's the brand? Can you say? No, uh, I can't. We, nah, I, can't uh, okay. I can't say. But it's a clothing brand company. Uh, we're just in the start of it. Understand. So we're just doing the designs and stuff right now and starting to look at suppliers, which can supply us with both quality and do the designs we want to. Is there a particular uh, type of clothing, uh, outdoor uh, fashion or? yeah more more like uh, I would say fashion okay. type of company uh, more t-shirts sweaters jackets oh, very nice yeah so it, it, I think it's it's interesting for me as well to just follow the process and have more hands-on experience and see how the business develops so that certainly building a new brand mm, yeah exactly that's a big challenge yeah and that's something I think is very interesting for myself because back in high school, I was more of that kid. As I said, I had the CFO position, so I liked the numbers. Yes. But as more more and more, I started to feel the marketing side uh, more interesting. And the, the goal of building a brand, I think it's a really interesting one, how you do it. So that's something I'm really excited to see what we can do Yes. with the company. Yes. Because I think today one of the most important ones is branding and marketing. So it would be it, it will be really exciting to see what we can accomplish with this company. So you're here at Clarkson University for one semester? Yeah. So I'm doing so, an exchange. Yeah, an exchange. Yeah. And then in uh, December you go back, I go to, back yes. to university yes. in Sweden? Yes. And then uh, when do you graduate? So I graduate this summer. So this summer? Yeah. And, and sort of, uh, have you thought through your plans for post-graduation? Uh, Go around the world? Backpack yeah, I, around the world? No, <laughs> I don't think I would do the backpacking. Yeah. Maybe I will. I haven't really decided. But right now, my head has gone back and forth for that. Because as you said, backpacking, many people do the backpacking. And I feel that I haven't done it yet since I did straight go from high school to university. So I have these periods where I'm like, all right, let's just go and see the world. But I've started to look at master programs back oh, okay. home uh, and see if there's something interesting. Other than that, I'm really excited to see where we can take this company in six months. The clothing company. Yeah, and see what, and even if I start my own small business on the side, see what I can do with that. Because I really think I want to have hands-on experience 
for real now after doing three years of university studies. But we'll see because uh, also one of the things I looked at is the ABM programs. But usually for them, both in Sweden and I think abroad here, you either need to have some work experience or you have to go to the CEO MBAs, which none of them I'm, re I'm really not qualified to do yet. Yes. So that would require me to work for a few years or have the opportunity to start my own company. And right now my head's at starting companies and see where we can get them. Yes. Yeah. Well, as a as a graduate this yeah. summer, yeah. you will have two sort of company experiences mm, yeah. already accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be in the middle of the clothing company. Yeah. So uh, you have a lot of experience mm. already. Yeah. And and I think that's that's marvelous. Mm. And I, I think uh, you mentioned an MBA program. Yeah. So I, I often debate, I often have this debate with myself mm. on is it best to get an MBA yeah. right after mm. graduation mm. or should you go work for three or mm. four or five years mm. and then go back and mm. get an MBA? Yeah. And I don't know what the right answer no. is. I imagine it's different answers for different yeah. people. But those are those are two paths that uh, I think both have some advantages mm. and disadvantages. Mm. Have you ever thought about going to join a larger company and work at a large company, or is that really no, no? I, I have the entrepreneurial bug. No, uh, no, I have, I have thought about joining big company. Of course, I mean, if you think about it, it wouldn't be that bad joining like Google or mm -hmm. joining those kind of companies. If we'd say big, big companies in the world. Other than that. It depends on what you say. It's a big company. The thing I want to avoid is being at the same company and stuck for like 10, 20 years. Yes. That's the thing I want to avoid. That's the thing I know for certain I don't want to do. But then, as you say, back to the MBA thing where my head's at right now, if I should do it or not, as you say, I think it's advantageous with both. And right now I'm thinking maybe I should try and go out and see how the actually work life is because I haven't had that much of experience. I worked a few summers only, even though that was in a big company in Sweden. I, w I would feel like I can go back and work here. I haven't had any talks about that with them yet, but we'll see when I graduate. I have a really great boss over there, so we'll see if I can contact them after I graduate yeah. and see if there's any way in there. Otherwise, I would definitely go for the more entrepreneurial side yeah. of things. So I, I remember it, it was a, a long time ago, back in yeah. the 70s, yeah. when I graduated. I went to work for a large company. Mm. I went to work for General Electric. Mm. Yeah. Well, of course, I had no entrepreneurial experience no. like you. I wasn't no. that fortunate. Right? No. I just We didn't have that yeah. back in the 60s and 70s here in the United States. And I went to work for General Electric, and I worked there about five years. And that's where I really learned how to get stuff done. Mm. So, you know, I learned that as an employee of General Electric and, and I made my mistakes there. And then after five years, I left there and started a company. Mm. I always have this debate and I talk to my co-host on this podcast, mm. uh, Mike Wasserman, about is it is it better upon graduation? And now the, the assumption is you have no work experience mm. at all, right? So is it better upon graduation to go work for a large company, make mistakes there, mm. and then start your entrepreneurial endeavor mm. or start your entrepreneurial endeavor immediately upon graduation? Mm. I think you're very fortunate because mm. you already have, as part of your education, mm. 
several entrepreneurial experience, yeah. several real mm. entrepreneurial experiences, mm. not just textbook, no. but real entrepreneurial experiences. Yeah. So I'm sure you're going to be successful at whichever path you take. Yeah. So it's it was really interesting to learn about how your experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, so talk a little bit about your experience here in the United States and and what valuable things do you think you've learned in in here, or is it still too early? No, I would say some. I already learned some things, or even though we're only like six weeks in so yeah. or something like that, so I have a few more months, but. I think I've learned more, as you say, I have this class with you. I have more innovative courses, which I don't have back home. And I think those uh, courses, you get the insight of, I never had the innovation uh, thinking before. I've got that over here. So if we're talking about business, I think the courses I've taken here is going to help me very much with going back. And when I start my own business and also just being in this like corporate environment over here because it's so different to the Swedish one. And I feel like it's good to have both, to be familiar with both and how we do things and how you do things and how we do things back home. And it's good. I think it's good both for the, both for knowing how you should run, should or should, but it's not right or wrong, but how you do run a business over here compared to home and how the connections would be, how you contact and how you uh, go forward with stuff. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, in today's world and in, in, and in the world economy, having international experience mm. and understanding the international experience and cultures yeah. is a real important element of mm. education. And, and uh, hopefully at coming here to the United mm. States for a period of time, gives you some exposure to mm. that of the different ways business is done around the world. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. And I think today, if you're if you're a company, whether you're a large company or a small company, you are an international company because mm. it's so easy to sell your yeah. products around the world yeah. these days. And if you're not selling your products around the world, you're missing an opportunity. Mm. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure to chat with you, Gustav, yeah. and learn a little bit about the great experiences you've had. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you or you'd like to add to this? No, I would just point out, uh, I don't know if it's a big one, but I would say I, I said that I would give credit to my partner yes. in the company we have. I will also point out that one of my biggest inspiration in persons around business people is actually my aunt, and she don't know this, so I don't know if she will listen to this. But well, we'll, if, we'll she, if sure she, she do, listens. yeah, because yeah. um, she has this staffing agency. Yes. And uh, she actually starting to go more international now. And I think it's so cool that I get to be so close to something that actually goes from a small business, even though it's still a small business, but getting more outside the Swedish market and just having, I know... I joked with my best friend, I talked to him yesterday, and we have these sites on the internet where we can check all the key figures, and we like we are so obsessed with that. So I'm sitting, and I actually look at her company like two days a week. Yes. You see how it's going. Also, she actually won the newest company in Stockholm, the capital of Sweden, uh, in the, within the travel agency uh, sector, 
She won a, a year, the the newcomer of the year. Wow. And that was really cool since you had the, because I was, it was a few years back. And when we just had the thing I had in high school, the entrepreneurial course. And it was so close, even though for me, it didn't went that well. Just seeing someone close to you actually achieve things was a huge motivation for me to keep going and keep show, um, choosing the entrepreneurial side of things. Uh, so that's a person I really look up to in the business world. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's wonderful. And it, it sounds like uh, she also uh, might be a great mentor. To yeah. You, yeah. Right. That, yeah. And it's important to have mentors yeah. who sort of help you yeah. and coach you along the way, yeah. not just in the academic world, no. but in the real world. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. Well, again, it's a pleasure, Gustav. Thank you very much. Thank you. For it's been a time. pleasure. Thank you yeah. for letting me be here. And I, and I wish you the, the best going forward. And yeah. I'm sure there'll be a time that I will say, well, I interviewed Gustav when he was just a student. (laughs) I will make sure you will have one of those times. (laughs) Well, good. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, Bela, great talk with Gustav. Interesting young man. Lots of exciting things going on inside his head. What struck you as uh, interesting or important about your conversation? So the first thing that really jumped out at me is sort of the focus on entrepreneurship at the high school level. There's uh, actually electives, as he mentioned, that you can sort of take and sort through at the high school level. And it was really some of those experiences that, for him, set the foundation as he went off to university. And I'm not sure we do very much of that here in the United States. Uh, Many of the things in uh, high school are, you know, you're in college prep and it's really sort of general preparation for going to college or university. And we don't really track people all that much at the high school level. So that was really interesting to me. And I, and I think it, it might, you know, really be a thing that gets me thinking about, you know, we often have this debate and we've all heard many successful entrepreneurs who never finished college or some of them maybe never even went to college. As a matter of fact, I interviewed one just a little while ago on a yet-to-be-released episode for this podcast uh, who didn't go to college and is, is doing quite successful. So I think this training early on can be very, very valuable. What do you think, Mike? Agreed. From my experience in the U.S., uh, a business class is something that the vocational education students take because they might own a plumbing business or something like that. And it's kind of, I think, looked down on or not given enough respect. Like it, like Gustav was telling the story about it. And they go to these national championships and then the EU championships. And it really sounds like this really cool experience. And um, at least, you know, my recent experience at the U.S. is some individual teachers are trying to do uh, something cool with, with business and entrepreneurship in high schools, but um, there's no systematic curriculum for making it really cool and something exciting. Contrast that with Germany, where it's a two-track system, really, where in fifth grade, you kind of get tracked into either the college track, where you go to gymnasium, um, or a trades track, where you go to a different type of school, where you start to learn trades and have work experience and things like that. And the business classes only go to the to the kids who are going and kind of to the trades track, I mean, which is great, and they need it, and I think they do a good job at it, but the college uh, bound track doesn't get any entrepreneurial education for the most part. Again, there's a few individual exceptions. So when they get to 
to universities, they haven't really had that exposure that the, that the kids get, get tracked at the trade schools have. So it's kind of an interesting, it's a different approach, but it winds up with the, the same result as I think it does in the U.S., which is young people are not getting entrepreneurial education in any kind of systematic way, which I think has a bunch of downsides if we want to 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 think about this in terms of what it can do for your career um, to get the skills that entrepreneurs need to to succeed. So that's kind of my two cents. Yeah, you know, Mike, as you were saying that, it got me thinking a little bit about oftentimes we associate entrepreneurship with starting a business, that it's all about, okay, well, I don't really want to start a business. I want to work for a larger company. Uh, So why do I need to take entrepreneurship? And I think one of the key elements of a good entrepreneurship education is that it really gives you a set of tools to help evaluate different opportunities, whether they be opportunities in business or whether they be career choice opportunities or whether you're working in a large company and you're evaluating uh, should this large company enter this market or not? Should it introduce this new product or should it introduce a different version of that product? Should it take that product or service and offer it in a different country? And those skills that you learn Uh, in entrepreneurship courses and classes, I think have value way beyond just this notion of helping me start a business. Agreed. And I think so inadvertently, we've done our economy a disservice by slotting these skills into a narrow uh, box, right? Um, Right. Everybody needs opportunity recognition. Everybody needs uh, thinking innovatively and creativity, building a team and developing new, new cool ideas. And I think if we give that to all young people right now, that will give them the skills they need to survive without relying on the old school model of a, a paternal employer. I thought it was amazing when Gustav said, I don't want to work for the same company, you know, for 10 or 15 years or whatever he said. Right. I thought that was fascinating because in our generation and our parents generation, the goal was to have one employer for a lifetime that you didn't have to worry about retirement or health care or any of these things. And kids now are like, no, 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 I don't want that. We have the contingent workers. We have the sharing economy. So I think it now has becomes really important for our young people to have this education that is now labeled entrepreneurship in the U.S. or in Germany. But it really is about innovative thinking and creativity and problem solving and team building. So it's like, yeah, we we have this name and we're typecasting this skill set into, yeah, I want to go start, you know, a, a bike shop or a bakery or a a tech startup, right? And it's it goes way beyond that, the, the skills at least I think you and I teach in our classes. Yeah, very much so. You know, there's another thing that Gustav uh, brought up, which I thought was interesting. And, and now that you're over in Germany, I'd like to get your, get your take on it. And it's sort of the cultural differences and the way cultures look at entrepreneurship and risk-taking, et cetera. So what's been your experience now that you've been there for quite a, a bit of time? So it's stark contrast, right? In the U.S., Failing is a badge of, of of honor, right? Bankruptcy is no problem. It's expected that entrepreneurs are going to fail multiple times before they succeed. And this is all part of our cultural fabric. And it's been that way for, for decades, if not for more than a century, that this is just the way things are. And it's a, it's a, it's an American way of life. You come over to Germany and there's lots of other countries that are like this. And failures looked at, business failures looked at as shameful. Financial risk taking is looked at as foolhardy. And the idea of bankruptcy is just a moral morass of, of issues, right? So what you have is a culture where risk is not something to be taken in lightly uh, and failure is looked down upon. And that really puts a damper on 
uh, an individual's interest in in starting a business on their own, right? Because the the the, the risks of failure are much higher, the the costs of failure are much higher, and and still in Germany is the idea of this kind of paternal employer taking care of a lot of your needs. There's lots of middle sized companies in the middle of the Black Forest, and it's a small village, and there's one employer in town, and they employ the whole town and. Generations have worked for this company, and right, going out on your own and failing is just unheard of in this environment. So huge cultural differences between Germany and the U.S. I have a lot of students from France, and France is really trying to be entrepreneurial and some of the same cultural barriers. Um, and even things like access to capital isn't there because people aren't willing to invest in these risky investments and these individuals. Lots of differences. And then contrast that with Latin America. I have a bunch of Latin American students where, yeah, it's more freewheeling and people are willing to take more of a risk. And if you fail, it's not so much of a big deal. So there's, you know, like Chile has a great kind of national program for entrepreneurs and all kinds of incubators. And, you know, for a lot of emerging economies, entrepreneurship is a way out of out of poverty for a lot of people. So depending on the situation, entrepreneurship means something different. I think the other thing that really struck me that Gustav said was that even though in the high school, they get exposed to entrepreneurship and they can take entrepreneurship courses, they can go to national competitions and regional competitions, that once they graduate and even once they graduate university, there's not a lot of existing entrepreneurial infrastructure as there is in the United States. You know, one of the things that always struck me that almost in any part of the United States, if you raised your hand and said, I'd like to start a business, there's there's going to be a chamber of commerce or some regional economic development organization or, or some university, yeah. a local community college. There's going to be somebody around that's going to say, hey, I can help you. And and so we have this great sort of infrastructure that's that's resident here in this country. So if you want to do it, that you can get some assistance, get some guidance, get some mentorship. And and Gustav really said that even though we we spend all this money to to sort of train people on how to do this, we really don't support them after that. There is no infrastructure kind of at the at the government level, if you will. Same in Germany. I mean, Berlin is a hotspot uh, for entrepreneurship, and these resources do exist in Berlin, but in the rest of the country, it's scattershot at best. Yeah, so I thought this was a, a, a. I really enjoyed talking to him and learning more about uh, the various different things. Was there any other points that struck uh, you, Mike, that we should talk about here? I, you know, I think the exchange you two had at the end is just worth repeating, if ever so briefly. And the idea that working at a small company versus a large company—it's a what should you do first, or is one going to hurt the chances of doing the other? And I just think that's an outdated idea that. That wherever you go, take advantage of the opportunities. There's pockets of creativity and innovation everywhere. Um, you just have to open your eyes and look and look for it. Yeah, well said, Mike. And, and I think uh, thanks for bringing that point up uh, because I do think it was it was an important one. As we start wrapping this up, we'd like to try something new here going forward, and uh, hopefully you guys uh, can help us with this. And Mike and I talked about this uh, a, a little bit. And we'd like to try to figure out how to respond to listener questions. So uh, what's our plan there, Mike? So we'll give this a shot, Bela. So listeners, if you have a question about entrepreneurship or starting a business or innovation or any other general business topic on which you would like to put us on the hot seat, email it to us and we'll give a shot at answering some of these on the podcast. I think the best way to do this is to send your questions to Bela.com and dot mike at gmail.com 
And hopefully we can round up the best of these and give you a couple at the end of each of our forthcoming episodes. Does that sound reasonable, Bela? Yeah, I think it'd be great if we could have uh, two or three questions that we sort of read on the air and uh, we answer from our listeners. Uh, I think that'll give us, number one, it'll keep you and I on our toes and it will uh, give us some great things to talk about. And uh, I think our listeners will find that interesting. I think that's a great idea. We're going to try it and uh, see what happens. So we're looking forward to getting your questions. If nobody answers, I'll have like my cousin or my brother send in some questions so we have something to read so we don't look like fools. Fair yeah. enough? Yeah, that's a, that's a, yeah, we can make it an assignment for our class. <laughs> Tell our students. Yeah, if it comes from Doug in Yarmouth, Maine, we know that that's a plant, okay? So we'll give that hint moving forward, right? Yes. Oh, Cousin Dougie coming through for me. You <laughs> Thank know? God for Cousin Dougie. <laughs> exactly. No, hopefully there'll be actual real questions, though. Perfect. So thanks for listening to The Unconventional Path, Secrets to Igniting Your Business with Bela and Mike. Uh, we look forward to having you listen uh, to our future episodes, and these are a lot of fun. So thanks for your comments on this one, Mike. It was great. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Bela.